Tech Talk. Tech Talk with Jess Kelly. This is News Talk. Coming up over the next hour, I'll chat to the general manager of Uber in Ireland about the rollout of the taxi service in Limerick. We'll take a closer look at the environmental impact of buying refurbished versus new. Plus, we'll hear about the tech platform helping women to understand their hormone health. As always, you can email the show techtalk at newstalk.com or you'll find me on Twitter at JessKellyNT. Now, it's been a busy week as ever in the world of tech, so let's take a closer look at some of the big stories of the week. Do you believe in ghosts, Ted? Mm, I do. But more importantly, I think they need to believe in themselves. That is, of course, my beloved Ted Lasso. Uh, Streaming costs are once again going to rise. Apple TV has increased the price of its service from $4.99 a month to $6.99 a month. Now, that is still relatively affordable in comparison to others, but significant increase two euro bumped up onto that monthly tariff elsewhere spotify has also indicated that it too will raise prices in the near future we don't know how much it'll go up by but it is absolutely one to watch now elsewhere 15 of the life-saving ring boys around dublin city are stolen every single week hundreds are stolen or vandalized around the country every year and to tackle this smart boys have been rolled out news talks emma tyrrell was at the launch earlier this week they've been stolen people are messing they're throwing them into the river it's it's vandalism water safety development officer with south dublin county council sean fox says they've had to replace 80 ring boys in the last year it's led dublin city council to launch 600 new low-cost smart versions across the capital and in meath leash leitrim and sligo jamie cudden smart city lead with the council says it's a game changer that will allow the boys to be replaced faster and act as a deterrent to them being taken so it's a sensor that's within the casing of the ring boy and if the ring boy is removed it sends an alert in real time so at the moment the water safety officers have to manually inspect the ring boys and obviously that's driving around the coastline. Earlier this year an inquest into a drowning on the River Liffey in 2021 heard rescuers struggle to find ring boys on the night with two of them missing from their stands. Acting CEO of Water Safety Ireland Roger Sweeney says the new devices will save lives. We have 110 drownings in this country every year and it's innovative interventions like this that will certainly help to further reduce that tragic number. It's hoped the smart ring boys can be rolled out to all areas across the country in time. Emma Tyrrell with that report. And finally, earlier this week, Uber launched the taxi side of its business in Limerick. This is the first time Uber has expanded outside of Dublin. And I caught up with Kieran Hart, who is the general manager of Uber Ireland. And I started by asking him, why Limerick? Uh, Limerick's a really special city for us at Uber. Uh, We've had our centre of excellence down here for uh, close to seven years now. And uh, that's over around 400 staff who are really sort of the backbone of our support operations, supporting drivers, riders, uh, Uber Eats business, couriers and restaurants um, right across across EMEA. So um, a really important city for us. And it's a city where we've seen demand for Uber just consistently grow. So it made a lot of sense to to launch there this week. Up until this point, as I mentioned a second ago, the service has just been available in Dublin. Can you give us a bit of an insight into the demand for the taxi side of things in Ireland from Uber's point of view? Yeah, we've been operating in in Dublin and, and sort of the greater Dublin region. We've seen demand 
really grow, grow exponentially really for us over the past uh, 12 to 18 months. Um, and that's a bit uh, due to what one of the focus we've been putting on the business um, and the new features and, and services you're seeing with products like Uber Taxi. Um, and two, as most people living in Dublin will know, um, just the severe lack of taxi options out in the marketplace at the moment is really pushing more and more people looking to find a, a safe and reliable trip. The issue of taxi shortages is something that we've spoken about quite a bit here on Newstalk in recent times. It used to be just an issue around, you know, Christmas party season that you'd have a long wait for a taxi on some of these apps. Is it a general shortage or are you just seeing drivers moving from one platform to another? It's definitely a general shortage in the overall industry. And unfortunately, we think that's we're all going to feel that uh, a lot more coming towards Christmas time. Um, which is a shame. And unfortunately, it's just the structure of the number of taxis we have in Dublin that comes nowhere near to meeting the sorts of demand that we're seeing for taxis in the city. Mm. But what can be done to address it, you know, either by enticing drivers back into the industry or encouraging uh, people to take up the profession? I know that the NTA have um, gone out and launched a couple of promotional campaigns enticing drivers to come into the industry which is great, and we're certainly going to to need to see that. Um, but I think we also probably need to look at other ways and other solutions for providing transport. And we sort of see that in other markets around the world where Uber operates, where taxi works side by side um, with some of our services to really provide that reliability and that service at at peak times and times when it's needed. I know you have drivers on the road right now uh, in Limerick who are using the Uber app. You set a target of 100 drivers in the county by the end of the year. Are you confident that you'll meet that target? Yeah, definitely. We've actually had uh, hundreds apply, which is great. It's only our first week and we've only really announced the launch. So, um, look, we're working furiously to ensure all those drivers are uh, are vetted and and get onto the platform. And uh, we think the interest uh, there will grow pretty rapidly again. We're super fortunate from Uber's perspective that we have uh, around 400 staff and all their families and friends down here who are super keen to uh, avail of the service themselves. So uh, we think we'll be able to grow really, really quickly in Limerick. There are other players in the taxi app market, and I'm not going to you know, name check them or go through them at all. But one of the criticisms some of them have faced from drivers relates to the charges they, the driver, face at the hands of some companies and how sometimes promotions that are given to customers are taken from the end of the driver. What's the policy on Uber side on that front? Yeah, so standard service is uh, a 12% service uh, for drivers. Obviously, pricing is set by the NTA on the, on the taxi meter. Um, and our incentives will, will work across both riders and drivers. We're incentivizing drivers um, to complete more trips with Uber at, at peak times. They're normally either sort of the commute hours or, or weekend evenings. Um, and in Limerick, we'll be launching with um, some really strong service fee incentives to incentivize drivers to, to come on board at the start, try it out and uh, hopefully help us build the business. Anyone who's opened the Uber app in America, for example, will be aware that there's I suppose, a whole host of other offerings uh, from the company beyond what we have here in Ireland. Are there plans to launch those offerings in this country? And if so, is there a timeline associated with that? Yeah, we'd love to. We believe that uh, we have some services that can really help um, cities in, in, in Ireland and even 
areas outside of cities. I think um, we'd love to work a lot more closely with the NTA and the Department of Transport um, to innovate more on sorts of services that can really help some of these towns and cities um, that we are seeing. We're in a position where we see how many people um, open up the app right across right across the country. Um, and there's huge demand for services, which we're currently not able to provide. So we think there's is huge opportunity in this. And we think that um, transportation apps like ourselves can play a really important role in providing sort of safe and reliable transport for the people that are out there clearly looking for that. I uh, myself live about 25 minutes, 20, 25 minutes outside the city centre. I'm close to busy business parks and I'm by no means remote. But in recent times, I've struggled to get a taxi on different apps. Is the onus now on the consumer to try multiple apps to get a driver? Is that where we're at with so many players in the game in a country of this size? I don't think so. I think the the problem really relies just in the the total amount of cars that are on the road and a part of the solution. Um, Certainly, uh, there's a number of apps out there offering similar sorts of services, but the core part of this challenge is, is just having more cars available to offer our services. And, and the taxi the taxi market works really, really well in city centre areas. But as you've said, 25, 25 minutes outside of the city centre, um, what we've found internationally is that, that not necessarily the taxi market is the best to service those customers. Um, and we think there's there's new ways we can really service those communities that just don't have uh, a huge amount of taxis that are servicing the area. So we think that's a great opportunity and we think that um, technology apps and transportation apps like ourselves can play a big part in making that happen. You mentioned the NTA a few times there. Um, in terms of Uber's interaction with the various bodies involved in the taxi industry in Ireland, is, is there a good sense of willingness and appetite to engage in the conversations and I suppose reimagine transportation and mobility in our cities? We'd love to be having more of those conversations. We're, we're certainly heartened by some of the innovation we've seen coming out of the NTA recently that had a really interesting designated local area Hackney pilot program run, unfortunately, just before the pandemic. Um, but exactly creating, I mean, what we're really heartened to see was they are innovating and looking to, to create those frameworks and those regulatory frameworks um, where we can test other types of drivers and other types of vehicles. I think one of the challenges, structural challenges with the taxi market is that it's such a huge investment for someone to enter the taxi market, get their license, get a a, a vehicle. um, And it really requires full-time hours to make that commitment work. And one of the challenges with what we're seeing is that demand and supply um, just don't match that evenly. So we actually don't need all of our taxi drivers driving um, during the day, Monday to Friday. We see bigger peak demands coming on weekends. And this is what we're seeing in, in other markets around the world. It's um, different services where drivers might not be full-time drivers that can really help meet those those peaks in demand and those peaks um, where people are looking for cars. So we're heartened to see that the NTA themselves have really been sort of looking at this and we'd love to work more closely with them um, to help them sort of have some success in some of these areas. Okay, well, that is good news for the people of Limerick this week with the arrival of the taxi service to the city. Uh, do you have eyes on your next city for launch? 
you're uh, you're as bad as my boss, Jess. I haven't had a chance to celebrate Limerick yet, and you're already asking what's coming next. But um, I I would suggest we'll we'll get this one up and running and working. But um, certainly uh, keep your keep your eyes close. Yeah, our, our plans are certainly to to look to expand. So any any taxi drivers in in cities outside of uh, Limerick or anywhere across the country, um, please do sign up on Uber.com and uh, let us know where the interest lays, so we can we can help with our expansion plans. Great stuff. Well, hopefully we'll chat to you again soon. Uh, Kieran Hart, General Manager of Uber Ireland. Thanks so much for joining us here on News Talk. Yes, thank you. Tech Talk with Jess Kelly. Welcome back to Tech Talk. This is Jess Kelly with you here on News Talk. Now, there's been a huge push in recent years to highlight the benefits of medtech in different forms, from smartwatches right up to digital healthcare in hospitals. One area that is continuing to come to the fore relates to the health of women, particularly their reproductive health. Dr. Helen O'Neill and Deirdre O'Neill have come together to create Hertility, a platform that provides greater information to women about their hormone health. Uh, You're both very welcome to the show. Helen, if I could start with you. We often hear that women's health concerns are sometimes undertreated or in some instances not taken as seriously as they would like. Before we talk through your platform, can you just explain a little bit about why that is? Sure. I think from a perspective of a scientist and a researcher, I have found the journey through uncovering and looking for a diagnosis and looking for um, truth about women's health conditions very frustrating. From um, an academic standpoint, I've spent the last eight years lecturing at UCL about women's health, about infertility, about fertility. And yet when I looked at the information that I as a woman had about my own body, I didn't have any answers. And to me, that's incredibly frustrating as somebody who is dedicated to researching and finding answers to be left with none when it comes to the most important questions about our own health and our bodies. When it comes to research, funding, innovation in women's health, we are the most underfunded, underserved and under-researched population there is. We're 52% of the globe, and yet funding into uh, fintech has been 300 times funding into femtech. And I think in ways we are at a point where we just need to enable turning the tides. We have so much incredible technology, as you suggested, around tracking our steps, tracking our calories, tracking our sleep, and these redundant features that don't impact our lives. And yet, no, um, none of that technology is actually applied to women's health. And coming as a geneticist, I found it really frustrating that we have so many incredible tools that we use both from an ind- from a data standpoint and from a molecular biology standpoint to look at some of the most rare of genetic disorders. And yet when it comes to the most prevalent of women's health conditions, we're told they're elusive and that we don't have enough data. And for us, we just felt that was not good enough. And the time is now to start collecting that data, to start finding those answers and start to start applying technology to women's health. This is something that I, I suppose I'm privileged enough to be baffled by, I guess. I'm a 33-year-old woman and I just find it difficult to understand how and why this is the case Is it because we are still just getting to the stage where women have a seat at more tables or are there other factors at play? It's actually quite unfathomable, the position we're currently in with the state of women's health. It it makes me actually quite angry when I look at the systemic infringement of women's health needs that has existed in perpetuum. 
the fact that things should be improving and they're not. I think it has a lot to do with cultural and societal expectations. You know, you as a 33-year-old woman and us, we are very privileged to be in a generation where we have a seat at the table, but that seat at the table is very fresh. And there are many for whom that seat at the table has come through hard-earned elbows, grease and grit. And truthfully, I think we're only starting to get a voice in the last few years because hopefully things are starting to change. But when we look at some of the laws currently in existence when it comes to women's basic health needs and some of the even the the most recent changes, for example, in the States, we realize that actually we are back as we are still classified in the majority of the globe as second class citizens. Deirdre, can I bring you in here and just ask you a little bit about your own background and the, the vision, I suppose, of fertility? I came at fertility from a different angle. And, and it's it's one of the things that makes us realise that every single woman that we speak to has a story. Whether or not you're actively trying to conceive or you have symptoms, every woman knows someone or has gone through an experience themselves. And I think from my perspective, my background is that I'm a corporate lawyer and I was working in a, an international law firm called Cooley in, in the city in London. And I felt that everyone was, every woman was on the same sort of trajectory where you'd, you'd sacrificed so much of your personal life and own life from, from your education to your studies, to your work, um, to get to a certain point in your career. Um, and that came at the cost of your own health. Often, you know, your, your sleep or your, the stress that was in, in, impacting on you it, it was really telling. And I think that from, from multiple angles where you have people who are career driven, there's a level of sacrifice that you have to make either that you question, it's not a good time to have a baby now. Like I've come this far, I want to make a partner. I want to get a promotion. And there's never a good time to say, you know what? I think now is the time that I will have a baby or think about having a family. And, and within the workplace, you can't even talk about it. It's almost like, mm pretend I'm not a female, pretend like this isn't on the horizon. Um, and I, th- I felt that for something that is so important for every every single woman, though, so can I have a baby? Will I have a baby? Am I even able to have a baby? The ability to just check in when you're at a critical point in your career or just even at a critical point in life, it's, it's so fundamentally important. And the fact that there wasn't the ability to do that really... Uh, meant that we we had to we we dug in to say why isn't this available how can we make something like this available and from from I guess from the angle of working within the city I recognized that I wasn't the only one everyone else was thinking the same thing they were either working too many hours giving up too much and, and not never knowing that there was never a good time to actually stop and take a break or have a brat family and not that having a family is even taking a break um, so I think the the angle I took from it was that this needs to be accessible to every single person. It, it cannot be that this science is kept in the lab or that this technology is just for those who've gone to a clinic, because going to a clinic is a real financial and psychological barrier for everyone. Um, so, you you know, it, is, it assumes certain prerequisites in your life. And and frankly, you should be able to just from your home check in assess where you're at and it gives you the comfort it's empowering empowering it's it's not just a case of saying oh god i've run out of time it's a case of saying actually i'm okay I, I can continue to work without having this silent worry constantly burying into me yeah and i guess it goes back to that thing of knowledge is power um so let's talk about the fertility platform itself what is it and what does it offer so the offering essentially 
aims to recreate a virtual gynae clinic to be what, what we aim to be is a single source of truth, t- treatments, testing and information around all of women's health conditions and all of women's health. So we began, it, how the journey begins is with an online health assessment from the user's perspective. This is a very simple um, and user-friendly questionnaire. From the back end perspective, we have internally embedded algorithms that help us to determine what somebody's likely risk is. At present, we can predict nine of the most common uh, gynae pathologies through this. Um, and from there, we from the answers to your questions, we can tailor which panel of hormones and analytes we will test you for. So again, from your perspective, you would do the health assessment. You get a test delivered to your home within two days. It's a simple capillary blood test, which is a finger prick blood test that you can do. And typically it's done on the third day of your period. And then you post this to our labs. And within um, 10 days, you'll receive a fully comprehensive report. What we don't ever do is give people just results to a test, results to multiple tests. We, We built this for ourselves, our friends, our sisters. We built this to be a voice that was reassuring, comforting and understanding. I think one of the biggest problems with clinical um, clinical interfaces is that there's this divide between clinician and patient and that therefore on hearing a diagnosis, hearing what that potentially means to you can sometimes be quite deafening in the ears of a patient or a person. They don't understand what they're reading or hearing or seeing. And so we've really broken down the report. Uh, at present, we've coded over 54,000 clinical um, scenarios. Uh, we are, Our newest version, which we'll launch uh, later this year, has we've coded nearly 800,000 uh, variables. So what this essentially means is you would re, re, um, receive a report which says in, in plain English and in understandable terms, what every hormone that we've tested is, why we tested it, what it means for you, what the combinations of your symptoms plus hormones mean for you and whether or not you have a potential diagnosis. And then on moving on from there, rather than just having these results, you have answers and a clear route to care. So from there, you can either take those results, you can take them to your GP, you can have them for yourself, you can make decisions based on informed results and, and backed by science, or you can book in with a tele- for a teleconsultation with one of our obstetrician gynecologists, a fertility advisor, a nutritional consult. Um, from there, you can be you can go for a scan. Um, almost fifty percent of women will need a, a pelvic ultrasound scan, um, and this is highly informative then for your next steps and confirmatory diagnoses. So you can book in for a scan, or um, if you have a consult with one of our um, consultants, you can also then receive a prescription. And so the amazing thing about this is that you've essentially done a very thorough triage throughout the questionnaire, a tailored test. You can receive a diagnosis or answers about your fertility, age of onset of menopause, and any one of nine conditions, whether it's ranging from thyroid to polycystic ovaries to endometriosis. And then when you speak to with one of our specialists, they can actually prescribe you relevant Uh, medication that would arrive at your house that day or the following day. So it's really providing an end-to-end service for one of the most protected areas of medicine where where we feel at our most vulnerable, which is uh, gynecological care. Aside from the fertility side of things, there's also, you know, I know many of them, women who have bad symptoms as a result of their period and they just dismiss them. 
does it all go back to education and informing people as to what is happening with their body, why it's happening and what they can do about it? It's amazing. At the start of the journey, we actually ask, you know, what brings you here? Are you actively trying to conceive? Are you just curious about your reproductive health? Are you experiencing symptoms or are you planning for the future? And soon we're launching, are you perimenopausal or, or are you menopausal? And in what amazes us looking at our data is that those who select that they're just curious about their reproductive health still have on average four to five symptoms um, compared to those who say I have symptoms. And in order for them to actually admit they have symptoms or recognize those symptoms, they have on average seven or eight symptoms. And it shows you our innate ability to dismiss our symptoms, our bodies and the red flags that our bodies will give us to say something isn't quite right. And what's not yet, what it really needs to be better understood. And we need to educate women about the importance of hormone health. Um, our hormones dictate our weight, our mood, our skin, our appetite, our sex drive, our reproductive function. It's, there are very few things in our life that our hormones do not dictate and severely impact. And yet, when it comes to knowledge about understanding where our hormones are at, we're for the most part in the dark. Of everyone who has done a fertility test, 67% have at least one out of range hormone, showing you just how prevalent hormone health um, and or, or how unhealthy our hormones have become and how much better our lives could be if we were to just harness um, and harness our health and understand what's going wrong rather than blaming ourselves and, and dismissing our own symptoms and saying it's probably because I'm tired and I haven't slept enough or I'm working too much and I'm stressed. Those things all may very well be true, but it may be as a result of hormone imbalance. And so taking the first step to understanding that really can improve people's lives. As I'm listening to you there, like, look, obviously it's fantastic. I just can't help wonder, would it be better again if we didn't need fertility? If this was something that was openly and universally addressed at a GP level, you know, is it, I, I don't know. I, I just would love if women felt more comfortable to be able to reach out directly and have these conversations and get that insight. Am I, I suppose, am I being a bit unfair in that assessment by laying it at their door? No, I think it's actually naive. It's naive to think that women wouldn't need this. What's been naive about the entire world is this displacement of a fundamental functioning of our biology as if it is something that is whittled down to women's problems or taboo. When someone say this is a taboo topic, I think, no, it's not. It is a basic function of our actual survival. And in actual fact, it is something that we we don't, we don't, it's it, it, quite the contrary. We actually need things that are more related to fertility. Hertility is so important for every single woman that that's what drives us. It's what keeps us up at night because we think every single woman we talk to has ha- had some symptom, has a sub situation where they've been d- dismissed the prevalence of female gynae conditions is one in three. Endometriosis is one in 10 women. That's a crippling, life disastrous condition that affects one in 10 women. One in 10 of PCOS. One in six has it, it will, will, will be infertile. And yet we're reducing it to something that is kind of like, oh, this is a taboo thing or femtech. Actually, what we're doing is much more of a movement in biotech and medical technology. And it's actually a greater and more profound thing that we need this now more than ever. I spoke recently to the head of digital transformation at the HSE and we spoke about their shift left, stay left program, all about preventative health care and keeping well people well. Do you think this information and your solution fits in with that vision in terms of equipping people with the knowledge to take more proactive control over their own health and well-being? 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think forming that narrative within the workplace is something that's really critical. And it's been at the secondary part of our our mission is, yes, we have to reach everybody. But where do we need to have these conversations? Where do we spend the most most of our time in work? And so being able to foster supportive working environments and we go in and we give lunch and learns and we educate around reproductive health, around fertility, fluency, all of these important conversations that we need to be having to start to open up the conversation around preventative, but more so that you are you're, you're monitoring, monitoring your ovarian reserve decline, monitoring your transition. 100% of women will go into menopause if they're lucky enough to live that long. And yet the, the impacts of menopause have, I won't, it's not an understatement to say cataclysmic effects on women's health. The three top killers of women globally are all related to insufficiency of hormones, which are related to menopause, which are cardiovascular, neurodegenerative and bone health. And yet we know this is something that we will all go into, but do we monitor that decline? Do we prophylactically treat? Do we act on it sooner? No, we don't. We wait for these for these moments to occur when we know it's going to happen. Same with fertility decline. We know we have this narrow window by which we can have children. And yet we now treat women like they are supposed to do absolutely everything. And then shame on you if you forgot to have kids or if you couldn't do it. It's 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 quite astonishing to think how much pressure is on women to do absolutely everything. And yet be on the back foot biologically um, when it comes to timelines and being able to access information about their own bodies. Mm, Well, look, I could talk to you both for another 45 minutes, but unfortunately, we are up against the clock. The service is called Hertility. The test we spoke about is €199. Deirdre and Helen O'Neill, thanks so much for joining us here on News Talk. Now, when we come back, we're going to chat to Swappy about the benefits of buying refurbished versus new, both for your pocket and the environment. Tech Talk with Jess Kelly. Welcome back to Tech Talk. This is Jess Kelly with you here on News Talk. Tech Talk at Newstalk.com is the email if you would like to get in touch, or you can drop me a line on Twitter at Jess Kelly NT. Uh, we're going to talk to Swappy in just a quick minute, but before we do, I'm joined now by Gary Tuig of FizzFit. Gary, we spoke to you uh, a while back when you first launched FizzFit, and you're back now with yet another new product. What is it? So the new product we're launching, Jess, is called the FizzFit Massage Gun Elite. And we're launching it in a midnight green color and we're launching it today on your show. Yeah, it's sitting on my desk and uh, I've yet to review it, but just talk me through the key features of it. Okay, so just quickly for those people who are not familiar with FizzFit, uh, our, our vision of FizzFit is to be the recovery brand of choice for people everywhere. So everything that we do in FizzFit is about recovery. And that is why the, uh, the FizzFit Massage Gun Elite is a natural uh, addition to the recovery range that we have in FizzFit. But it's our first electronics product. So it's FizzFit moving into electronics space. And we look to be doing this, uh, you know, more of these types of products into the future. But it's a really important product for us. So in terms of the product itself, you'll see it there on your desk. One of the key differences for the FizzFit Massage Gun Elite that sets us apart from our competitors when you see it is that it's the only product out there on the Irish market that comes in an aluminium metal grade body. All of the products that are currently there are either plastic or rubber, but what we've done with our product, we wanted to bring a really premium high quality product at, an, at a competitive price to the market. So the metal uh, and the body of the, the build of the product is very, very high quality. Um, in terms of its performance, 
it's uh, you know we like to say it's it's portable and powerful. So we haven't compromised the the power of the device by making it more uh, portable and compact. So it's, it fits easily in your gym bag or in your overnight bag, etc. It it um, it has four separate speeds and performs up to three thousand eight hundred percussions per minute. Again, for anyone who's wondering what a percussion is. Um, so percussion is uh, the massage guns basically perform percussive therapy, which is ba- which is a form of soft tissue manipulation stroke massage. And at the top speed and uh, on the FizzFit Massage Gun Elite, it performs three thousand eight hundred of those in a minute. So you can imagine how how powerful and how fast that is to be able to do that. You don't need to go up to the fourth speed, the highest speed. You know it performs very well at the first second. But if it's there as an option for the, for the for the user or the, the customer who purchases the product to go to that power if they want, um, it comes with four different massage head attachments, different which perform different types of massages. Some are for deep massage, some are for particular muscles like the trapezius muscle in your shoulder, and some are just for a more relaxing type of massage as well. Yeah, the more I'm listening to you talk, the more I think I might get Kieran Cudahy to do this review for me because he's actually running the Dublin City Marathon on Sunday. So I'm sure he'd be a better guinea pig than I would be. And um, just briefly tell me about some of the retail partners that you're now working with. So we're currently in eight Irish retailers as of today. So our recovery range is available on our own website, fizzbit.com, but also in all Boots Ireland stores. We're available online with Harvey Norman Ireland. We're in select Hickey's pharmacy stores and online with them. We're also in All Care Pharmacy online, Mulligan's Pharmacy in-store and online, Life Pharmacy and the Chemist Warehouse. Also Q Health Pharmacy also. So we'll be in 10 uh, retailers in, in across Ireland uh, by the end of this year. You alluded to earlier on, uh, you know, this is the first uh, electronic product from FitFizz. Uh, are there other products in the pipeline? We've got some really, really good ideas that we're working on. So within our team, um, Colm Fuller works uh, with FizzFit. He's one of our co-founders. And Colm is one of the leading physiotherapists in Europe. Um, He was previously head of physiotherapy for the Irish rugby team and and also worked with Kerry GAA. And he's currently um, completing his PhD. So Colm has a huge experience in physiotherapy. So he's very active in terms of uh, ideas. And he's seeing the elite end of sports. And our objective is to look at those products that are, you know, for elite sports people, look to bring them into more everyday use for, for everyone, which has been, um, we've got some great input from, um, from, from physiotherapists, uh, particularly post-operative physiotherapists in the hospitals here in Ireland on what is required, what are the best products you need to recover from, say, something like an ACL injury, for example. And we've come up with a really nice pack of products that we're going to bring out in the new year that will just help with with also the recovery guide that goes with the exercises you need to do um, just to bring that proposition to the market also. Great stuff. That is Gary Tuig of FizzFit. You'll find more information on fizzfit.com. It's F-I-Z-F-I-T dot com. Now, recently on the show, I was talking to Kira O'Brien of the Irish Times about the new iPhone lineup. And one of the points she made was in relation to the rise in popularity of refurbished phones. Swappy is one of the companies offering these types of devices here in Ireland. And the co-founder and CEO, Sammy Martinen, joins me now. Um, Sammy, before we talk about the environmental impact side of things, just remind us what exactly Swappy is. 
Sure. Uh, Swap, is a, Swap is an online tech company that buys, refurbishes and sells used online phones. We are focused on the category of iPhones. Basically, as a customer, uh, you can sell your used uh, used iPhones to us or buy a refurbished one that, that basically works like new. Yeah, people are waking up, I think, to the benefits of the refurbished devices. Not only do they tend to be cheaper, uh, but they are better for the environment. And I know Swappy recently carried out some research into the impact of your refurbished phones. Can you just tell me a little bit more about that? Sure. Uh, so we conducted an, an, an external a research with, ex, with external experts on the field, and we wanted to know fully our, con- our carbon handprint there and our carbon footprint. So we wanted to know how much are we uh, are we actually saving in uh, carbon footprint for our customers? How much are we helping our customers save uh, versus buying a new one? Uh, versus buying a new one, a new phone. Um, and then we wanted to know the full uh, carbon uh, carb, uh, carbon emissions that Swappy has as a company. So we found that uh, the carbon footprint of a Swappy refurbished smartphone is seventy eight percent less than a new one, and this was the this was the biggest uh, biggest thing really. Um, this was our first environmental impact report, and we knew our, or we had indications roughly since founding the company. Uh, how big the impact is. Like this was really interesting for us to get this externally validated and, and to get also the carbon handprint of a Swappy Reverb smartphone. So this uh, resulted in 61.5 kilos of CO2 emissions. And also just the magnitude of how much we have helped our customers save so far. And we're looking to help our customers save more, more than 100,000 tons of CO2 equivalent emissions by 2024. For those who don't know a lot about the refurbished process, and I'd say that's the majority of us, can you just explain how and where those CO2 savings are coming from? Yeah, the biggest uh, emissions come come in manufacturing. So why uh, why the carbon footprint of a refurbished smart, smartphone is 78% less uh, versus a new one? It comes from the fact that we are able to extend the life cycle of, uh, of, the, of the refurbished phone. By a, by a few years. So, so that's where it, in essence, uh, comes from. And uh, so we diagnosed the phones. Uh, there's a 52-step process. Um, we check that uh, it functions functions properly, and we change the non, uh, non-functioning parts uh, when, we, when we then refurbish the phones. So we change part like, parts like uh, battery, if battery capacity, uh, is uh, is not in, not on an acceptable level. We change the batteries. Uh, we change, for instance, screens, and uh, and then also also other parts. We can go as deep as uh, to the motherboard level. So if the phone has also defects um, there, for instance, if audios are not working, uh, sometimes the problem is on a motherboard level. You cannot repair everything uh, with a regular repair. So we've taken the processes that deep so we can ensure that uh, some of those, like even some of those tougher faults, we can ensure that those will not come back. And what about when it comes to uh, the packaging and the dispatch of your phones? Have efforts been made on that side of things? Yeah, for sure. We take that into account in uh, in our uh, sourcing and uh, 
and and when whenever like uh, making decisions, well, well, it, yeah, it it comes from from all aspects. So from spare parts we choose to like uh, packages we also choose. We've definitely taken that into account and mm-hmm. chosen a lower emission options. Yeah, it's certainly an interesting space that the refurbished offerings that are coming out of the woodwork. Can you just remind us where Swappy came from and how it's developed over the recent years? Sure. So I have a I have a very long background as an as an entrepreneur. I started my first company when I was fifteen and was running a construction firm, uh, basically with my father uh, for ten years. Besides studies, and me and my other co-founder, we have we also have a long history together. We have been doing plenty of other things before Swappy. Uh, when we were actually running our previous business, which was an uh, an European-wide e-commerce, we then like uh, then one day I got scammed buying a used phone online, and uh, just it just struck me like uh, first of all that e-waste was the best, fastest growing waste stream in the world, and 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 you didn't really have like uh, players on the market who would have solved the quality issues on the refurbished sector and really really built on that. And and then we, once we realized how much you can actually save uh, on the emissions versus like we had our initial calculations, how much you can save on the emissions side when versus buying a new phone already back then, it, it just became imminent. Like it, it, it just became became really obvious that we have to leave everything else behind and focus on solving these problems for the market. And. Yeah, it kind of hit us during our first couple of months as well that a majority of our customers switched to buying a refurbished phone, a refurbished phone because of Swappy. So yeah, that was then then something that that really like uh, motivated us to mm-hmm. drop everything else behind and really focus on building this market and and build towards a global leadership on the space. And we we, we focused uh, we we decided to focus on the category of iPhones because we uh, we realized that you really need to focus on a on a category in order to be able to control quality mm-hmm. in the space. Are there plans to broaden out to either you know other Apple products, maybe iPads and Macs, or are you going to continue to focus on the iPhone? Yeah, um, our we, we still have a lot to do on the category of iPhones. So we are now a European leader on refurbished iPhones. Uh, currently, we just hit that mark uh, late last year. But still, like uh, there's a lot to build here. So iPhones is clearly the biggest category of refurbished smartphones. And what we have realized is that because quality matters and quality control matters so much, that we should still work further even on that and work to like uh, create the best customer experience on this market on the category of iPhones. So yeah, uh, we are planning other categories long, like uh, longer term, I would say like um, what comes to longer term, I, I, I don't see like we don't have any near term plans yet, but I don't see any reasons like why all categories couldn't be sold as refurbished. It's it just yeah, it's just about focus on the market. So within the next couple of years, I would say we will we will still be focusing on this category. But what comes then to the next ones? That's very hard to say. It's that will mm-hmm. uh, that will depend on the customer feedback and where the needs will be the biggest. Once we decide to take that leap, it could be iPads, uh, it could be you know MacBooks, or it could be other Android phones. 
Yeah, great stuff. Well, look, it's been interesting to hear about the environmental impact and research that you've carried out. And uh, hopefully we'll get to speak again soon. Sammy Martinen, CEO and co-founder of Swappy. Thanks so much for joining us here on News Talk. Thanks a lot, Jess.